We have kind of been away from a while, for a while, excuse me, we had been speaking about the attributes of God on Wednesday night. We're going to come back to that tonight. Here in Psalm 89, we'll go to a number of different passages tonight, but I'd like to begin here in Psalm 89, if I could tonight. Got a great group in Master Club tonight, thankful to be able to begin that again for the school year. Psalm 89 tonight. Brother Caleb, I don't know if you're familiar with the board back there, but if you could hit the lapel, if it blows up, it'll be okay. No pressure whatsoever. That's right, Richard, no pressure. Psalm 89 is where we're at. Let's read verses 14 through 18, if we could tonight. Is that got it? There we go. We got it. Psalm 89, let's begin in verse number 14. The Bible says, Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. Blessed is the people that know the, excuse me, the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. In thy name shall they rejoice all the day, and in thy righteousness shall they be exalted. For thou art the glory of their strength, and in thy favor our horn shall be exalted. For the Lord is our defense, and the Holy One of Israel is our King. Verse 14 again, it says, Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. And I want to speak to us tonight, for the next few moments, I like to speak to us, to preach to us on this subject, supreme justice. Supreme justice. The Bible says there in Psalm 89 that this is a masculine psalm. It's a psalm of instruction. And it says, Masculine of Ethan the Ezrahite. Ethan the Ezrahite was one of the wise men of the East. Many believe that he uh, was probably Ethan the singer from the Levitical tribe that was given the, uh, given the charge over the temple music. And there's much discussion about the time period of Psalm 89 if this indeed is Ethan the Ezraite, uh, one of the singers. Some believe it would be early uh, in, the, uh, in his time period. Some believe, and I kind of lean this way, that Psalm 89 is during the Babylonian captivity, and we'll see why in just a moment. Uh, this psalm is unusual in kind of its construction and layout because many of the psalms begin with the complaint to God. God, I need help. Lord, I need help. Lord, where are you? Uh, very simply, David, many times he just says, help. Help, Lord. Help, Lord. Thy, thy, thy servant needs you. But this one begins with praise. And then it kind of ends with the complaint. And by complaint, not necessarily a bad thing, but we find in Psalm 89, the subject matter is really the Davidic covenant. And notice if you would, let's, let's drop down to verse number 39. Beginning in verse number 19, he says, Thou hast, excuse me, then thou speakest, uh, spakest in vision to thy holy one, and says, I have laid help upon one that is mighty. I have exalted one chosen out of the people. I have found David my servant with my holy oil. I have anointed him. So it speaks about the Davidic covenant. But then when we get to verse number 39, he says, Thou hast made void the covenant of thy servant. Thou hast profaned his crown by casting it to the ground. Now, 
Now, by the way, the, the psalmist deals with the fact that, that this happened because of what the nation of Israel had done. They had sinned, more specifically Judah. They had sinned against God over and over and over again. And so this is why it seems like that this would be taking place during the Babylonian captivity and the Davidic covenant, at least for the moment, had been suspended. There was no longer a king on the throne. We know that that will continue when Jesus Christ sits upon the throne, and we know that he is the only king anyway, but he is the, the one true king. But he is, he is making complaint about the fact that the Davidic covenant seems to have been voided. But he begins with praise. Because he understands that everything that God does is right. And so God, I I can bring this to you and, and, and I'm not sure exactly why this has happened. Although I am sure, I know why it has happened. Because of the sin of your people. But God, everything you do is right and just. And he says in verse number 14 that justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. God is just, God is righteous in everything he does. And we want to look at that tonight. I believe the key verses in Psalm 89 are really verses 14 through 18, really verses 14 and 15, and then verse 52. Notice verse 52. Notice how he ends the psalm. He says, Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. God, you are right. We are wrong. The Davidic covenant, in in my eyes, it's been voided, even though it hasn't been voided, even though it's still going to come to pass because God is faithful. But in my eyes, it seems to be voided. But God, bless your name forever. You're God. You're just. Your judgments are right. It is the habitation of your throne. And so tonight, I want us to speak about that attribute of God, the justice of God. We hear a lot about justice today, don't we? And so I want us to see what the Bible says about justice tonight. I want to give you five words, and we'll we'll be quick. Don't let that scare you tonight, but I want to give you five words tonight. And we'll go to several different passages as we speak about this attribute of God, the justice of God. Let's pray and ask for the Lord's help tonight. Father, we love you tonight. Help in a special way. Father, I pray that you teach us tonight. Pray that you'd remind us. I pray that you would uh, give us a better understanding of this word justice, of this word just. And Father, help us to never forget. Father, help us never to murmur and complain against you because Father, you're always just. You're always right. Everything you do. And so Lord, I pray that we would be reminded of that tonight. Help us, Lord, and we just pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Number one, I want to give you the explanation. The explanation. Psalm 89 and verse 14. The Bible says, Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. The explanation. And all I want to do right here just quickly is give the explanation of the word just, of the word justice. It means right. It means right morally and legally. It means equitable. By the way, we hear that word equity a lot today, don't we? Okay, but it comes from a human perspective, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. It means equitable, based upon God's authoritative law. Equitable, based upon God's authoritative law. It means innocent. It means holy. It means meet. That word meet, M-E-E-T, means proper and fit. 
It means consistent. It means righteous. Uh, Aren't you thankful for consistency? Aren't you thankful for people who are consistent? God's Word, God's justice is always consistent. It's always the same. We, We look at our justice system, and by the way, our justice system is supposed to be based upon laws, right? Which is a good thing. But it isn't always consistent, is it? It isn't always meted out correctly. I was telling someone uh, Sunday, I believe it was, I was watching a video this past week, and uh, it was a video in uh, Wisconsin, and a park there in Wisconsin was having a family-friendly drag queen event. Those words don't go together, do they? But they were having a family-friendly drag queen event, and at that event there was a couple of young men One of the young men was just reading the Bible. He was reading. He had a microphone. And he was reading the Bible on a sidewalk there in the park while they're having this family-friendly drag queen show there in the park somewhere in Wisconsin. And probably, I think it was probably six or seven police officers surrounded them and surrounded this young man and grabbed his microphone and they arrested him. And the reason they arrested him, the reason they arrested him is because he was reading the Bible but the reason they said they arrested him is because he was not supposed to have amplification, a microphone there in the park, and they arrested him. Now, I don't know if, if he's still in jail or not. I'm not um, I would hope, I, I hope every single one of those police officers lose their job. I hope they do. Okay, but that's where we're at in America, and that's not justice. That's not justice. Because it's, it comes from flesh and it comes from human perspective and, and human eyes. Here's the truth. We look at our laws and we look at our justice and we're confused sometimes, aren't we? Well, I thought the law says this, but this happens if you're a person in power. And this One time, one time in my lifetime, I want to see a politician go to jail. A politician who deserves to go to jail. That would be good, wouldn't it? I would like to see that. I'd like to see the Clintons go to jail. I'd like to see the Obamas go to jail. We we keep going on and on and on. We need Jeff Snow in here tonight, don't we? He could give us a list, couldn't he? Because our justice system isn't always just. Because it's from man's perspective. But God's justice is always right. It is always equitable because it's based upon God's authoritative law. It is innocent. It is holy. It is meet. It is consistent. And it is righteous. So number one, the explanation. Number two, the declaration. The declaration. And walk with me if you would because we're going to look at uh, a few passages if we could tonight. Go with me in the Old Testament. And we'll just begin here and walk our way through. Let's begin in the book of Deuteronomy tonight. Deuteronomy chapter number 32. It's where we'll begin the declaration. And here's the declaration tonight. He is, and we'll find this specifically in the book of Acts, but He is the just one. Okay? He is the just one. Not not man, not even our laws, even though, look, many of our laws are based upon God's Word, and that's good. But we don't always follow them correctly because we're flesh. Because we're, and we'll get to this in just a moment, but because we're partial sometimes. That that comes into the equation sometimes. The declaration. The declaration is simply He is 
the just one. Deuteronomy chapter number 32. Let's begin in verse number 3. Just two verses here. Verse 3, he says, Because I will publish the name of the Lord. This is the song of Moses. He says, Ascribe ye greatness unto our God. Verse 4, He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all His ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is He. That's who He is. That's His character. That's His attribute. And because He is immutable, because He never changes, He will always have this attribute. He will always be just. He will always be right. He will always be righteous. Now, let's go a good bit further in the Old Testament. Let's look at the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 45. I'm just giving you some declarations here, some references. The declaration that God is the just one. Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah 45. One verse, verse 21, Isaiah 45 and verse 21. The explanation, the declaration. Isaiah 45 and verse 21, the Bible says, Tell ye, and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord, and there is no God else beside me? We know that tonight, don't we? But do we believe it? I mean, in in our daily lives, do we believe it? Do we live it? Do we, do we demonstrate it? Does it? Is it manifested in our lives that He is the only one? When we have a need, is He the first one that I go to? Or when I have a need, do I go somewhere else? Do I go to a, a different avenue or a different person? Or when I have a need, is He the first one that I go to? And the Bible says here, there is no God else beside me. Notice this, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Zechariah, Zechariah chapter number 9, second to the last book in the Old Testament, Zechariah chapter number 9. He is the just one. Zechariah chapter number 9, verse number 9. The Bible says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, the King cometh unto thee. He is just. And having salvation lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. By the way, who is that? Who is that? What is that talking about? It's talking about the triumphal entry of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is just and having salvation. Go to the New Testament with, you, with me. Uh, Acts chapter number 7. Acts chapter number 7. Acts chapter 7 and verse 52, here's Stephen's sermon, his message. Stephen is preaching. Acts chapter number 7 and verse number 52, the Bible says, Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before. Which showed before. Speaking about the prophets of the coming of the just one, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers. The coming of the just one, a little bit further in the book of Acts. Acts chapter number 22. Acts chapter number 22 and verse number 14. So listen, if he's just, if he's right, if he's consistent, if he's always right, he's always the same, he's immutable, what does that mean? It means I can trust him. That that means that, that whatever his word says is just and right. Even in the year 2023, it's still just and right. 
Now, we live in a society that doesn't want to accept that. I understand that tonight. But it's still just and right because that's who He is. Acts chapter number 22, verse number 14. And He said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldest know His will, and see that just one. And should us hear the voice of his mouth. Now this is talking about the Apostle Paul and the fact that he was chosen to be the Apostle to the Gentiles. And it's speaking about the fact that, that he was chosen and that he would see the just one. By the way, that's why we consider him an Apostle. Because we believe, based on the Word of God, that he saw the Lord Jesus Christ. The just one. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter number 3. By the way, we'll stop right here. I'll give you two other references, but we'll stop right here. We'll reference this verse a couple of times tonight. Romans chapter number 3, verse number 26. Romans 3, 26. The Bible says, To declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of Him which believeth in Jesus. So number one, the explanation. Number two, the declaration. He is declared to be the just, excuse me, the just one. Number three, I want us to see the contamination. The contamination. Here, here I want to I give us a few issues that people have with justice and more specifically the justice of God. The contamination. By the way, the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. When we let our opinions and our heart lead us, we're supposed to lead our heart, not the other way around. Our heart isn't supposed to lead us. We're supposed to lead it based upon God's Word. And the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. What's the question it asks? Who can know it? Well, verse 10, he answers the question. In verse number 10, he says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. So the contamination. I want to give you four, four things here, if I could, just issues that people have with the justice of God. And maybe even sometimes we have. First of all, we have an issue or true justice is contaminated because man uses his own standards of right. Man uses his own standards of right. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things. Man uses his standard of what is right instead of using God's standard of what is right. Uh, don't forget tonight, God never changes, does He? Does He? No. He's immutable. He never changes. His standard is always the same. He is always just. He is always right. Always. But we're flesh. Right? And here's the truth tonight. Sometimes, sometimes our flesh pulls at our heartstrings. Doesn't it? And it causes us to make decisions that we shouldn't. God never does that. You say, well, God's just heartless. No, no, no. He's God. He's always right. He's always just. And, and, and so the heartstrings never cause him to do something against his character. But it does us sometimes. Let me give you an example. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3, 
that if a man doesn't work, he ought not eat. Okay, our heartstrings pull at us on that issue sometimes, doesn't it? Because we see someone struggling, what do we want to do? We want to help. But the Bible says, the Apostle Paul said, if a man doesn't work, he ought not eat. Paul, in that passage, he's speaking about, look, we, we, when we were amongst you, we worked. Y'all didn't give us anything because we were just there glomming off of you. We worked. And Paul said, the individual that doesn't work ought not eat. We're not helping an individual who will not work but can when we continue to give and give and give and enable. Now our heart wants to, our flesh wants to because, boy, we're just, oh man, he needs help. Maybe this time will be the time that he'll finally get it. The Bible says if he doesn't work, he ought not eat. Because someone who's pushed to the brink is going to realize, you know what, I need to do something. I need to work. I, I need to get out of this. And I, I had an individual that's, and, and I've helped him before. I, I've helped him several times. But here recently, you know, he's, he's been asking, you know, can I do this or do this? And I realized something. He messaged me yesterday and he asked, he asked if I had any work to do. And I've been, I've been giving him, I've been giving him places who are looking for people to work. He said, hey, I just saw a help wanted sign at this business. You'd be good at it. Go put in an application. And he won't do it. He messaged me yesterday and he said, hey, do you have, you have any work I can do? He said, I have a doctor's appointment tomorrow. Because I have to see the doctor before I get back on my check. I told my wife last night, I said, that's why he doesn't want to go get a steady job. Because if he goes and gets a steady job, he can't get his check. Okay, say, in God's justice, 2 Thessalonians 3 is right. And is always right. But sometimes our heartstrings and our human flesh, we're like, ah. No, the Bible's always right. So number one, the contamination. You say, Pastor, you're harsh. You don't want to help him. But no. But somebody who just wants to use you and has no desire to do what the Bible says, we need to stay with the Bible. And so first of all, man uses his own standards of right, or he says there's just no absolutes. A lot of people say that today, right? Well, not only are are there no right or wrong, there there just aren't any absolutes. And so man uses his own standards of right. Secondly, man struggles with justice because of his bent to be partial. Man struggles with justice because of his bent to be partial. Acts chapter 10 and verse number 34, the Bible says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But we are sometimes, aren't we? We are a respecter of persons. God isn't. That's how God is just all the time. That's how... 
doesn't matter the richest person or the poorest person, they all get to heaven the same way. Not because this one's rich, he gets to heaven, and that one's poor, he goes to hell. No, no, they, they, we get to heaven the same way. It's through Jesus Christ, Romans 3.26, the just and the justified. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ because God is no respecter of persons. You don't have to turn there, but let me read you another verse if I could in, in Deuteronomy. We were there just a moment ago. Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse number 17. The Bible says, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. You know what he's saying there? He doesn't take bribes. Gifts don't sway him one way or the other. Well, if you give me a gift, then, then maybe I'll rule this way or maybe I'll, I'll allow this or maybe I'll overlook that. No, no, no. He's always just. Excuse me. Man uses his own standards of right. Man struggles with justice because of his bent to be partial. Hey, let me say this before we move on to the third one. We need to be careful about that because we can do, the, do that with kids sometimes especially in a church setting. We can treat church kids different than we treat other kids. We've got to be careful about that. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be partial. And by the way, sometimes we allow kids that aren't church kids, we allow them to get away with things. We shouldn't do that. We should expect the same. I understand there are kids that come from from, from some hard homes. And I understand, as we talked about Sunday, there ought to be a space of grace, but I shouldn't lower my expectations from them because I'm not helping them. I'm not teaching them. If I'm going to teach our church kids that this is what you ought to do, this is how you ought to live, this is how you ought to act when you come to church, then I ought to teach non-church kids the same thing. Now, it may take a little bit longer because they're not getting it reinforced at home. The church kids, hopefully, are getting it reinforced at home too, Right? Okay, that's not always the case, but hopefully. But the non-church kids, they're not always getting it reinforced at home. They get to do what they want to do. They get to watch what they want to watch. And so I understand it may take a little longer to get them, but we should have the same expectations. And many times we're bent to be partial. Thirdly, man confuses, and this is probably the biggest one, especially in the day in which we live. Man confuses human fairness with holy justice. Human fairness is equal distribution without discriminate, excuse me, discrimination. That is modern day social justice. Okay, so hear that again. Man confuses human fairness with holy justice. That everybody should get the same thing. Okay, that's not just. By the way, that's why we shouldn't use that word fair unless we're using it in the context of Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ is always fair because He's always just. Okay? But the worldly idea of fair, we should never use that. If our kids say, well, that's not fair, I don't care, is it just? That's the question we need to ask. Is it just? Is it right? Is it consistent? Is it holy based upon God's Word? And so we confuse this idea of fairness. We, we really, we, we elevate it above true justice, biblical justice, to the point where we have this so-called social justice today. 
where everybody should be on the same level in every area, in everything. I don't care if you work 80 hours a week and I don't work any and I sit on my couch. I should have the same amount of money as you do. That's fairness. That's the definition. Equal distribution without discrimination. That's not biblical. That's not biblical whatsoever. Think about this. A mother has, let's say she has five kids. One of the kids has diabetes. She's going to give the kids a snack. If she were fair, she'd give all of them the same cookie, the same size, the same number of chocolate chips, right? But in her wisdom, she knows, okay, this kid, he can't, she or he can't have that. What does she do? She uses her wisdom and she is just in doing that. Fairness today says the absolute opposite. Look, you just give because it's fair. Everybody gets this. And listen, the devil has been good at getting Americans to get to this point. Really not just Americans, but the whole world. To get to the point where, it's not political tonight, but get to the point where, hey, government will care for you. And everybody will be equal. God is equitable. The Bible uses the word equity many times. Don't be afraid of that word. But use it in the biblical term. Use it the way the Bible speaks about it. That equity speaks to God's justice because He's always right. He has perfect wisdom. He knows what we need. He knows uh, how to meet. There's that word meet, fit and proper. How to meet out justice. Because if we looked at fairness, then either everybody should go to heaven or everybody should go to hell. Right? If we're going to be fair, equal distribution with no discrimination. Everybody either goes to heaven or everybody either goes to hell. Well, that's not biblical justice. Because the people who go to heaven go to heaven through Jesus Christ. The people who go to hell go to hell because they've rejected Jesus Christ. Whether, Whether... Um, boisterously or by default they've rejected Jesus Christ that's God's justice not everybody gets to do this or everybody gets to do that no we have justice through the Lord Jesus Christ so that's really the big one we struggle we confuse human fairness with holy justice and then fourthly man thinks God inconsistent when exercising mercy and grace. Well, what about when God exercises mercy and grace? Is He overlooking sin? No, it goes back to Romans 3.26. Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary. His blood covers our sin. And because of that, He's paid the penalty. And so now we can be justified in the eyes of God because of the just one who died on the cross and shed His blood. And He takes the sin, the contamination, Never confuse. And by the way, God help us. The Bible speaks about this, about comparing ourselves with others. God help us to never look across the fence and say, it's not fair, they have that and I don't. 
It's, hey, it's not fair that my neighbor, who is as wicked as the day is long, has more than I have. That's not fair. Just go to Psalm 37. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. But God has an answer for that. Don't, don't compare yourself and don't complain and murmur that that's not fair. That's the wrong word. Is it just? According to God's word, to God's law, moral, uh, His moral law, His legal law, is it just based upon God's word? Number one, the explanation. Ooh, number two, the declaration. Number three, the contamination. Number four, go back to Psalm 89. We'll finish here with the last two. Number four, the administration. The administration of justice. It's always consistent. It's always right. It's always the same with no partiality. The administration comes from His throne and is done in His truth. The administration of His justice is done from His throne and in His truth. Verse number 14. Justice and judgment are the habitation of Thy throne. Mercy and truth shall go before Thy face. By the way, don't... Let's, let's, let's just move on. The administration from His throne in His truth, always consistent, always right, always the same with no partiality. That's why we can trust Him. That's why we can trust Him. That's why we can never say, well, God's just not being fair to me. Look, look what they're doing and look, look what they have and look what I have. God's just not being fair. Wrong word. God is always just. Then number five, the habitation. The explanation. The word justice, it means right. It means equitable based upon God's authoritative law. Innocent, holy, meet, proper and fit. Consistent, righteous. The declaration, He is the just one. The contamination. We contaminate true justice when we begin to bring man's opinion and man's idea into the equation. Whether it's setting up our own standards, whether it's being partial, whether it's confusing this idea of fairness with actual justice, we're thinking that God is inconsistent with mercy and grace. The administration from His throne in His truth. Number five, the habitation. Justice and judgment are the habitation of Thy throne. Mercy and truth shall go before Thy face. Verse 15. So, if justice and judgment is the habitation of His throne, where should we habitate? Around His throne. Pastor, we're not there yet, but we can constantly be around His throne. If I want justice and if I want judgment, my habitation ought be around His throne. Look what verse 15 says. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of Thy countenance. In Thy name shall they rejoice all the day, and in Thy righteousness shall they be exalted. By the way, does the Bible tell us righteousness exalteth the nation? But sin is a reproach to any people. What exalts a nation? Not a military. Not our money. Not our leaders. But righteousness. And he says there, uh, verse 16, And in thy righteousness shall they be exalted. Verse 17, For thou art the glory of their strength, and in thy favor our horns shall be exalted. Verse 18, for the Lord is our defense, and the Holy One of Israel is our King. Okay, Ethan, saying, Lord, 
the covenant of David, the Davidic covenant. Our sin has voided it, although it hadn't voided it. Maybe suspended it, but it hadn't voided it. But God, your throne is still the place of safety. It's still the place of strength. And it's still the place of security. Because what you do is always just and right. Friend, you may not, ever, you may not always understand everything God is doing. Right? We, we don't, do we? Do we always understand it? No. By the way, we, we, we're not supposed to always understand. We're supposed to trust. We're not supposed to always understand. We're supposed to trust no matter what. Okay, God, I, I don't understand all this, but from your throne comes justice and judgment, and so that's the place of strength, and that's the place of safety, and that's the place of security, and so that's where I'm going to hang around. That's where I'm going to dwell. That's where I'm going to habitate is around your throne. For the Lord is our defense. We may be in Babylonian captivity. We may be captive by the Babylonians, but the Lord is still our defense. For the Lord is our defense, and the Holy One of Israel is our King. Verse 17, For our, excuse me, Thou art the glory of their strength. And in thy favor our horns shall be exalted. It's the place of strength. It's the place of security. It's the place of safety. Verse eight, or excuse me, verse 52, he said, Blessed be the Lord forevermore. Amen and amen. Supreme justice. The explanation, the declaration, he is the just one. The contamination when we allow our thoughts and ideas to get into the equation of what we think is justice. No, no, no. What, what does God say? You might be living for the Lord and maybe, maybe a health issue comes into your life and you say, Lord, I'm doing right. Why did you let this happen? That's not fair. Wrong word. Wrong word. God is always just. Never makes a mistake. As for God, His way is perfect. Psalm 1830. As for God, His way is perfect. The administration from His throne in His truth. That's why God's justice is so much different than our justice here upon this earth because it comes from a point of authority. It comes from a point of holiness. It comes from a point of truth. It is always consistent. It's always right. It's always the same. And the habitation is the place of strength. It's the place of safety. It's the place of security. And that's the place I ought to habitate. It's the place where I ought to dwell. Not in fairness but in justice. You know what? Maybe tomorrow you can help somebody with that. We've got a lot of people talking about justice today. Help somebody. Don't, don't, don't kill somebody with it. Help them with it. Take them to the Bible and show them what, what the Bible says. Take them to the Bible and show them that God is always just and He's always right. It's justice, not fairness. It helps somebody with that. Amen? We have the truth. We can complain about how everybody else is, but we have the truth. Let's give it to them and let's help them with it. Amen? All right, let's pray. We'll be dismissed. It's 8 o'clock. Actually, it's 8.02. If you need to get your kids and go, I understand. They should be finished over there. But if you have some time, please stay and pray and spend some time in prayer tonight, okay? Father, thank you for the time you've given us tonight. Father, I pray that you've helped us. I pray that you've just reminded us or 
maybe even helped us with some truth tonight. And Father, I'm thankful that you're just and you're right. You are the just one. And Father, we can obey, we can trust, we can listen to your word because it's always right, it's always just, uh, it's always consistent. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us with that tonight. Father, give us safety as we go to our homes, bring us back together Sunday. And Father, we'll surely look forward to it. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.